Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you were socialized as a woman. Around here, we're all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist confidence coach, and you've got episode number 24. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Judith Gatton, who is an attorney turned style coach and magical powerhouse of a woman. I've been following Judith and her work for a while and just love what she's doing. I also had the pleasure of being her student in the Advanced Certification of Feminist Coaching. And today, we're going to talk about dressing for your age and other nonsense that we're told when we present as a woman. So today we talk about what thoughts and concerns come up for people who are socialized as women around aging in their wardrobe, what it means to quote unquote dress your age and Judith's thoughts about this idea, how body changes can affect the way we think about our clothes and how we might want to think about it differently, and of course some tips for how to feel amazing in your clothes no matter what age. Before I share my interview, I want to offer Judith this professional bio. Judith Gatton is a master certified life coach, personal stylist, lawyer, and entrepreneur, and she's also the author of the book How to Be a Fucking Lady, a modern guide to being charming and fierce AF, and the host of the scintillating podcast Style Masterclass with Myths J. She's the founder of Modern Charm School, an exclusive online social club for women who are ready to leave their mark on the world. Her motto is confident women leave legacies. So without further ado, here is my interview with Judith. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us on Perimenopology. Today, I have a bucket list interview for all of you. I am talking to my colleague and teacher, Judith Gatton, who is a style coach. And I've been following her for a couple of years and loving her work. And I had the honor of being her student during the Advanced Certification in Feminist Coaching. And it's just such a fun full circle moment to have you come on and talk with me today. So thanks for being here, Judith. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. And we both have our head game, like our headband game on point today. It's very nice. Very nice. You know, what's funny. I actually changed my outfit a couple of times anticipating this info because I just knew that you would show up and be totally glamorous. And I was like, I want to look fancy too. I'm going to put a headband on. It's going to be amazing. Perfect. It worked out. It worked out. So good. So good. So before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into doing the amazing work that you do? Yeah. I mean, it's like a funny road, right? And I, I love asking coaches this question um, in particular. Sometimes it's fun to ask doctors this question, like, how did you get to where you got? <laughs> um, I had originally set out to be an ophthalmologist. If you ask my second grade self, she was very into the eyeball. Um, except for I like categorizing the parts of the eyeball. I realized I didn't like touching actual eyeballs or blood or gross stuff. So I was like, okay, so can't be a doctor. Um, then I decided to be a fashion designer and I actually went to school. My undergrad was originally for fashion design. Then I made a pivot and I was like, oh, this is actually hard. I should go do something easy. I'll be a lawyer. Oh, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a natural segue. And there, I mean, there's a few key pivotal moments. Like I had some negative feedback from a professor, which now in retrospect was not negative feedback. It was 
her really trying to help me be more creative, but I didn't accept it that way because 20 year old brains, not fully developed on a little baby. <laughs> and then I met a lawyer who was a fashion lawyer and I was like, oh, so you could be a lawyer for fashion houses. I can make this work. And I was a lawyer for a long time. I was a lawyer for 11 years. I was a litigator um, and actually did nothing to do with fashion. <laughs> I represented large corporations and government entities. And then at some point about halfway mark, actually, I think a halfway mark, I realized I don't want to do this. Dear God, why did I do this? <laughs> oh no, how do I get out of this? Which I think so many people find themselves in. And I found my way back to fashion and style and encouraging women and helping women. And I went to see a friend at Coachella. I had like a little nervous breakdown at one point in my career. And she was a personal assistant to a very famous artist. So she's like, come to Coachella. You'll get backstage at Coachella. And I remember going and I was driving home and this song came on and I was like, okay, God, if we could like make this work where like I get to do fun style stuff and like help smart women. Like, can we just make that happen? I don't know if it's a thing. And then I met our teacher in common, Carl Lowenthal. And she's like, oh yeah, no, it's a thing. You could just make stuff up and go do it. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, we can make stuff up and go do it. She's like, yeah, you could just make it up. That's what you want to do. Let's, let's make something that allows you to do that. And then that's how I became a style coach. I got to do all my favorite things and make up a profession and it works. I love that so much. And I'm so grateful that you've had all of those moments to lead you to where you are today because you were such a gift to women with all of the bodies and all of the things and all of the hopes and dreams. So can you share with us exactly what you help people do in your work? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I had a client, um, she's a doctor and she's like, she talks with her hands and if she sees this, she'll know who she is. And I adore her. She like does this thing when she's very excited and she's like, you do style, but like, it's not about style, but it's like about style. And I was like, yes, that, whatever that is, like, that's what I do. So, I mean, on the one hand, I, I use style as a teaching tool to teach about self-confidence and self-love and body neutrality, if you can't get <laughs> body love. So I, I I like to say that style is a conduit to a woman's heart and mind. Like if we want to know how you're thinking and feeling, we can take a look at how you've been dressing or not dressing, caring for yourself, not caring for yourself to get an idea of what your relationship with yourself has been like. So it's, it's kind of cool because I use style to teach confidence in short. I love that so much. And I think it's a conversation that becomes pretty relevant as people are navigating from being somebody who menstruates and has fertility to transitioning to somebody who no longer has those physiological processes. And then there are these inevitable changes that happen in our bodies. And then there are all these ideas and thoughts that are placed on top of that from society and our families and our mothers and our friends that really shape the way we look at our bodies and our clothes through that transition. And it can bring up all sorts of thoughts about our bodies and our ages. So I'm interested in hearing from you as a style coach, what are some of the recurring themes and thoughts that you find come up for people socialized as women as their bodies change through this transition? It, it's so interesting. I was actually thinking about this conversation, like kind of preparing and like really excited for our talk. And one of the stark contrasts, and I've seen this meme, and I, you, maybe you've seen it too, where they take the golden girls 
And that concept of age and sex at that age and beauty and style at that age versus the current iteration of Sex in the City and those women, they're technically the same age group, but they're styled so differently. And our concept of what is beautiful at that age, and I'm just putting in air quotes, is so different. So I feel like we've come a long way. We certainly have a I don't know if I can curse. A lot of work to do. <laughs> the podcast episode is going to be called Dressing for Your Age and Other Fucking Nonsense. <laughs> All the words are welcome. <laughs> right. I never know. And one time I didn't ask and I they put a beep. So I was like, beep, 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 beep. Every time I curse, it was hilarious, actually. Um, but yes, there's a stark contrast, right? So we've got the Golden Girls idea of that age group. And then we have the Sex and the City and it's, you know, they're, I, I don't forget what the new show was called, but whatever, this current iteration. And I think what's interesting is then what answers a conversation inevitably is age appropriate, right? So, and, and I've heard so many fascinating things. And I think your listeners probably relate to this. At a certain age, you're not allowed to have long hair. I don't know what the hell that's about. I think it's really strange. Um, you're not allowed to show your arms because your arms have an expiration date, apparently, they're so like, it's like bizarre, right? Um, you're not allowed to be sexy or appear sexy or to want sex or to be interested in sex. Like somehow your libido has to have crashed and then you're supposed to dress. I, I'm not actually sure I have questions like, right? And there's so many things about dressing young or age appropriate. And I find it so fascinating when I have my clients tell me the thoughts that they think because they've been taught to them. Their mom had ideas about when she hit that age, what she was allowed to do or not to do. And I'm like, okay, you get a choice though. Like we've been carrying around this library, all of us, I call it that library of like ideas and notions and thoughts and rules and all the mythos of how we're supposed to show up at certain stages of our life. We can burn that motherfucker down. We also get to say, like, take a book off the shelf, decide what pages to keep or not keep. Like you totally have a decision here. I think it's like the first revelatory like moment is like, oh wait, it's not truth. And I get to decide what I want to do with all of this. Like, what? and like then things open up and it gets really cool and very exciting. So just to pause for a second. You totally just blew my mind when you educated me on the fact that the Golden Girls are the same age as the Sex and the City crew. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they're that's the same age group. <laughs> I had no... Okay, so I just have my... Well, I'm sure there will be many more Golden Nuggets today, but that was my number one Golden Nugget right there. So the show is called And Just Like That. Okay. And it's so interesting to observe how it's just a bunch of Hollywood movie producers that decided how to dress each of those groups of women. So interesting. Well, and I, I love looking at old ads from like the forties and fifties. So um, I actually have the source catalogs called the Sears catalog source book, and it has advertisements from Sears catalogs from the forties and the fifties are fascinating, but the elderly woman, those ads are, I'm like, who would wear that? Like what happened between like 39 and 40 or 49 and 50, like magically overnight, she doesn't have any fashion sense. Like her sense of self has completely gone out the window. Like I have so many questions, so many questions. And it's just so fascinating. Like, you know, the dowager, like, you know, the dowager and like those looks, it's just so, I'm like, 
but yesterday she was allowed to wear the other thing. So why did she have to wear this today? Like, you know, she's like covered to the nines and like the three quarter length sleeve comes into play. And, you know, she's not allowed to wear belts around her waist anymore because, you know, she's thickening middle. Like, oh, it's, it's so bad. It's so good, but it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's so fascinating too. So just to come back to something you just said briefly was the thickening waist. I'd love to talk to you about body changes that happen. And when our estrogen declines during this part of our lives, then we sometimes get some redistribution of thickness of particular areas. It's going to be different for everybody. For some people, like there's a spectrum and a scale that it exists on. But I think that something that I hear almost universally in my clinical practice and my coaching clients when we talk about this transition is just that deep insecurity with those body changes and not feeling entitled wear certain outfits or particular clothes when that happens. So can you talk to us a little bit about what you teach your clients about body shape and body changes? And I'm sure there's a whole can of worms here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, definitely can of worms, but I think at its surface, like the very surface is just to acknowledge because I think sometimes like we hear a lot about like jump to love, love your body. You should love your body. And then we get into this like, but I don't. So I feel ashamed and guilty that I don't. <laughs> I didn't want you to go there yet, loves. Like just acknowledging what is can be so powerful that maybe your thick, your waist is thicker, has more circumference than it had a few years ago. That your arms look different than they did two decades ago as they should, right? There's this glorification of a post-pubescent body. But if we kind of set that aside for a second, we just acknowledge what's happening on your particular body, right? For some of us, our feet got longer. We started to grow nose hair or chin hairs or like all kinds of fun shit that happens to bodies. And I have clients who were thrown into that stage because, you know, they're their lady parts were taken. I'm just going to say that for like a better way of putting it, right? So their ovaries were removed. They had hysterectomies, different things happen. So they were thrown into that phase and we call it swelly belly. Like there's an actual swelling of the stomach area and it's noticeable and there's all this dismay that happens. If we just acknowledge like, oh, this is what weird human bodies do. We secrete fluid. We smell weird. Like we're smooth and then rough and then wrinkly and like, what what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, this is a weird experience in our weird, creepy, little, gross human bodies. Like that's the nature of us being human. And when we get behind that, like we leak and we're gross and we're weird and it's amazing and fascinating and wonderful. We just acknowledge that fact. We'll have such an easier time because our bodies will continue to do weird things because we age, because we had too much salt, because we didn't have enough water, because we need to have a BM, like any number of things are happening. And we just acknowledge this is a weird human experience. Things can get to a place where you can start to maybe become curious about those changes as they happen. And then maybe you can get to a place of intrigue, not love, not even like, just like, I don't know what you're going to do today, but I'm here for this. I don't know what you're going to like. I'm going to be bloated. I'm going to be flat today. I have no idea, but I'm here for this ride. I'm intrigued by you. Because, I mean, there's some really juicy things that can happen in a relationship if intrigue enters. Not love or even like. Just like, I don't know about you. You're a mystery to me, but I'm willing to stick along for the ride and find out. Because the longest relationship you're going to have is with yourself. So we don't have to get to like or love. We could just get 
acknowledgement, which is a great basis for a relationship. And then maybe get to a place of curiosity and then maybe intrigue. I love that scale that you talk about where it's not, I think that we exist in a really black and white thinking context a lot of the time where it's like, well, you either hate your body or you love your body, but there's so many steps in between that we can explore. And I think that curiosity is such a wonderful place to come from. So that's amazing. And something that came up for me when you were talking there was this idea of, yeah, the swelly belly, as you talk about, and then trying on these different approaches. And I think that's something that organically comes up for a lot of people, at least, you know, in the beginning, is this idea that we have to either make it go away, or we have to hide it. And that's something that I think we endeavor to do with our clothing. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think a lot of the old-fashioned rules were about like hiding your flaws, right? Working with your assets and hiding your flaws. I think it's just like, how about we have no flaws? All of it's an asset and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like how freeing would that be? I don't think everyone's there yet. So one of the things, it's like a really quick tip that I highly recommend if you are experiencing, you know, big fluctuations, especially in your abdominal area um, and your circumference can be very large or very small. And it happens all the time to tons of women. Um, what I highly recommend is you practice the rule of three when you're shopping, particularly there's a size you think you should be. I love you. That's okay. Whatever you think it is. But please, please, please also carry into the dressing room or when you order things online, the size below that and the size above it. Because you have to recalibrate your brain to what your size actually is and how clothing fits you in your current body. And I think there's absolutely no shame in having bottoms that fit when you're more swollen and (laughs) bottoms that fit when you're less swollen. So I have clients sometimes because the fluctuation is so large like we have to kind of like normalize that experience. It's like, okay, so when we're swollen and we have a little more swelly belly experience, then we're going to have this set of panties and these stretchy pants and we roll and we don't make it this huge thing. Like, oh my God, I'm gaining so much weight. It's like, oh, the circumference is larger today. All right. Here's the go-to for that, right? The circumference went down. Cool. Great. Awesome. Here's the pants that I wear for that situation. The trousers I wear for that situation. So Kind of planning for your human experience and having the things you need on hand to support the actual body you have and the actual lifestyle you have is just going to be such a game changer. And it's not because we have to hide flaws, but because human bodies fluctuate. It's just a, such a different mindset to come from when dressing yourself. A hundred percent. And I can say that from my own experience, I have a set of pants for my follicular phase and I have a set of pants for my luteal phase. I have a set of pants that I just wear when I'm PMSing and I didn't even think about it in those terms. But yeah, that's totally what's happening. I just have bigger pants for when I'm PMSing and it's totally okay. Yeah, we'd have to make it a thing. And I and I think this is where I find my clients in this cycle and you probably find them too of like, they're in that part of their phase and they're a little more swollen. So they're like, they make a grand pronouncement to lose weight, to get in shape, to tone up, dun, 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 right? Like all these grand pronouncements happen. And it makes sense because of where you're in your hormonal cycle, right? Those grand pronouncements start to happen then. And you have all these plans for when you're done and, you know, your energy's back, blah, blah, blah. 
And then you get to that phase and you're exhausted and you don't feel so great. Maybe the swelling is less. Maybe it's not that bad. So you go about your business and then you swing back around to the same shit over and over and over. (laughs) It's like, how about we don't make any grand pronouncements? We just plan for, oh, my brain and my body do this during certain times. So therefore I need these pants and this particular routine to help support me during those periods. It's going to change and fluctuate. Totally okay. I love that idea of just accepting that you have a weird, unpredictable, or sometimes predictable, then you just go with it, human body. Which leads me to my next question, which is that in my clinical practice as a Chinese medicine practitioner, I don't advertise that I help people with weight loss. It's not something I want to do. It's not, it's not work that I'm, that I'm into, but I inevitably get people who are perimenopausal and menopausal and they come in and that's part of their symptom picture. And so when we're kind of talking in the first appointment about, well, what are your treatment objectives and what do you want to accomplish and what are your goals for your health and how can I help you and what are the outcomes you're looking for? Usually the second thing they say, if not the first thing is, well, I'd like to lose a little weight. And I ask them why. And their response, because I think people are kind of catching on to this idea that, oh, well, we don't want to be vain. So I don't want to say I want to lose weight just for the sake of wanting my body to be more conventionally attractive. So they go next to, well, I want my clothes to fit. And then what I ask them next is, well, why don't you just buy different clothes? And they're always a little bit gobsmacked with that question. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. Because a lot of people want to hang on to that wardrobe in the hopes of, you know, someday changing their body to look a certain way. But I'm like, well, what if they, what if you just bought new clothes? And, you know, it's like, it sounds so practical, right? But you get that gobsmacked reaction. And maybe like, you can almost see like a little inner turmoil kicks in, like, wait, what? <laughs> and I, I have the same experience with my clients a lot of times. So I think it's good to back up a little bit. It's not just close to them, right? And it's not vain. And I think sometimes what kicks in is this guilt or shame about even thinking about it. So you're almost embarrassed. And then things get out like a hot mess in your own head and mind. So I just want to offer like, it's important to you. It's serious to you. And we really want to validate that experience for you while also recognizing, and maybe this is something they had not heard before, but like, I want you to think like the clothing is all auditioning for you. We've been taught the opposite that you're auditioning for the clothing. You have to change your body, conform your body, change your body in order to make it a smaller size, a flatter, smoother, whatever, fill in the blank. You have to be taller, all the things, right? So we've constantly been in this place where we're like, how can I change my body so it conforms to these clothes? And the clothing is inanimate. It has no magic or mysticism. I think sometimes clothing gets weird wrap and I don't know why. It can't talk. Like the animating force, you ever felt good in an outfit or a garment? It was you. You did the thinking that created the good feelings like you were the magic bringer in that context. If you know, I felt it was like magic. I felt so amazing. I felt so good. That was always you, boo-boo, always you. So we cement ourselves in those ideas. Like the clothing is auditioning for you. We don't have to conform ourselves to the clothing. You're the magic bringer to the equation of the clothing. Then we can go reapproach the idea of, hey, these quote unquote gold clothes, 
this time traveling closet from yesteryear that has decades of wardrobes in it, it's not doing for me what I think it's doing. It can't motivate. It doesn't have that ability. It's piles of fabric. It can't like, you know, encourage or support me. That's not how it works unless like it's a bra physically lifting your breasts and offering support. Like, right. That, that, that means the only way it could really support you, my friends, a great girdle might, you know, support you in a different way, but that's all it can do. It can help support you with gravity, but it does nothing else. So if it loses that like mythos around it, that it's like motivating and it's going to help me reach my goals, it's piles of fabric. If you would like to change something about your body, you're more than welcome to try because you have that right to do whatever you want to your body. Thank goodness. While also we can disentangle the idea that you have to wait to get good clothes or clothes that fits you, clothing that supports you, taking care of yourself. We don't have to wait for the body to change in order to do that. We can finally untangle those two ideas from each other. Thank you for that. And I love that idea of we can hold all of these perspectives simultaneously where, yes, we can make a choice to want to make a change if we want to. And we can also at the same time find clothes that feel good and feel literally or I guess figuratively supportive based on your thoughts. There are lots we can do all at the same time. That's so good. So, I mean, you've given us a whole bunch of amazing practical tips. But if somebody is just kind of new to this idea, and let's say they're about to go and kind of look at their wardrobe and, you know, just kind of size things up, no pun intended, what would be a couple of tips that you that you could give somebody to help them feel amazing in their clothes? Yeah. So there's three types of fit that we're not taught. We think fit is only clothing. Like, does it fit my body? That's like the first modicum requirement. So if we're going to go through our wardrobe or we're going to look at our closets, even if you just start with your underwear drawer, which I highly recommend, just start with your underwear drawer. Does it fit my current body? If it doesn't fit my current body, then two things happen to it. It goes bye-bye, it goes in the trash, or we store it away out of sight, right? That's a missing component, right? (laughs) We want it out of sight, so it's not a little shame pile. We just want it out of sight. So we're only opening our underwear drawer or closet with clothing that actually fits our current body. So that's question number one. Does it fit my current body? Second question I want you to ask, and this is often neglected, and I love you all so much, but really, this is something worth considering. Does it fit my current lifestyle? So if you don't want to wear thongs anymore, boo-boo, guess what? You do not have to wear a thong ever again. Like granny panties, all hail the granny panty. You get to do you. If it doesn't make sense, and I've read a lot of my clients who have retired, they come across this, they have these like really crisp suits. And I'm like, will you ever wear those again? No. I live in Florida. It's hot. I will never wear a wool suit again. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound like fun. Someone who hates humidity, like Florida and a wool suit just sounds like all the juices like sitting there. Oh, it's so gross, right? Like it doesn't make sense for your lifestyle. Like I have a client who owns a ranch. It doesn't make sense for her to wear a white button up. She's going to be covered in literal shit. Why is that in her wardrobe, right? So that's the second question. Does it fit my current lifestyle? If it doesn't, we donate it or we store it away for later. And then the last question is, does it fit my personal preferences? Just like your body changes, your preferences change. So maybe you were in love with a color. <laughs> a client, she's a doctor. Oh my gosh, so funny. She liked pink once, 10 years ago. But then everybody learned that she liked pink. So guess what happened? Everybody kept oh, no. buying her pink stuff. Oh no. I mean, down to their <laughs> socks. 
Her shoelaces are fucking pink. Like we were giggling. Like the 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 extravaganza explosion of pink. And her mom and her husband started buying her all this pink stuff because they didn't know what else to buy her. And like this happens to so many women. And at some point, I'm like, can you you could tell them? Like you could tell them you don't you don't like it. <laughs> it was just like this novel. Like wait, what? Right. So. We want to factor those things in, like, does it fit my current body, my actual lifestyle that I actually live, not my Pinterest life, my real life. And then does this fit into my current set of personal preferences? And that's going to help you make sense of what you've got on hand and also help you clear some of the cobwebs of things that just don't make sense for you anymore. So good. Oh my goodness. This has been nugget after nugget after juicy nugget after delicious nugget. So thank you so much for all of that. I just know that people are going to love what you have to say and they're going to want to come and find you and work with you. So please tell the people where they can find you and how they can work with you. Yeah. The first place is just Style Masterclass Podcast. It's highly bingeable. The episodes are like 10 minutes long and it has an actionable tip that you can go take and run with after every episode. And then if you want to work with me, you can learn more about what I do in Modern Charm School, which is my monthly membership where we do style, we talk about wealth, gumption and legacy. So good. And then you've got a book too. Tell us about your book. Yes. The name of my book is How to Be a Fucking Lady, which you can find on Amazon. The Kindle version is like 99 cents or you can get an actual paper copy. I like to read with things in my hand. You can't see me making this hand motion, but there's a hand motion. So that's also available. I'm doing hand motions too. I love real books. Yeah. I love real books. Like I need the paper. I need the paper. So um, you can go to juicegatan.com forward slash book to find the book. And if you want to learn more about Modern Charm School, you can go to juicegatan.com forward slash modern charm school and just so everybody can click and find it easily i'll make sure that i put all of those links in the show notes so you can find them judith i can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your wisdom and all of your amazingness thank you so much thank you for having me thanks for listening everyone so that was my interview with judith I love how she speaks about things. It's almost musical. My favorite line from today's episode was, your clothes are auditioning for you. If her message resonated with you, please find and follow her. I will link all of her info in the show notes. That's it for me today. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to a deeper level, let's work together. If you are a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person, to help you find a unique and customized treatment plan to alleviate your perimenopausal symptoms and get you the relief you deserve using Chinese medicine. Or if you're looking for support with body image, confidence, advocating for yourself and seeking treatment, or just generally making your life as awesome as possible through this transition and beyond, I can help you anywhere in the world through coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecapler.com and click work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you. Thank you.